Chapter Five of Giacomo Puccini by Wakeling Dry. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Edgar. With his second work for the stage, Edgar, the libretto being by Fontana, the author of the opera ballet Le Vili, Puccini adopts the designation of lyric drama. Edgar is in three acts, and with it the composer attained to the dignity of a first performance at the Scala, Milan. It saw the light on April 21, 1889, with the following cast, the conductor being Faccio. Edgar, Gabrielesco. Gualtiero, Marini. Frank, Magini Coletti. Fidelia, Aurelia Catareo. Tigrana, Romeida Pantaleone. The vocal score was not published by Ricordi until 1905. The theme of the drama is the familiar one of a man tempted by passion, who swerves from the straight and narrow path, and who afterwards makes atonement. In the case of our hero, Edgar, the atonement comes too late, and the end, as in Carmen, which in general dramatic outline may be called the foremost, if not the first, operatic exploitation of the idea, is tragedy. In front of his book, Fontana places a foreword, to the effect that we are all Edgars, because fate brings to each of us love and death. He winds up with a moral statement, true, if trite, that it is wrong to let ourselves be dragged away from pure love to mere sensual passion. The action takes place in Flanders in the early 14th century. The scene of the first of the three acts shows us a square in a Flemish village, at the back of which is Edgar's house, and before it an almond tree. On the one side is the entrance to a church, on the other an inn. Over the distant landscape, dawn is breaking. With a bell effect, of which Puccini is so fond, the simple prelude begins. The plain and straightforward progression of light chords is French in character, but the bell effect is established musically by the simple leap of a fifth in the bass. The chords continue, with a filigree figure placed above them, and from delicate musical suggestion the effect turns to realism as the bell itself sounds ushering in the notes of the unseen chorus as the angelus rings from the church edgar is asleep on a bench before the inn and peasants and shepherds cross the stage greeting each other as they go to their daily toil fidelia the daughter of gualtiero then comes on to the balcony and salutes the dawn in a characteristic melody which although not based on the bell theme in the way of the use of a representative phrase, seems very naturally to grow out of the musical idea. She calls to Edgar and comes down, plucking a branch from the almond tree. Fidelia continues her address to Edgar in a melody which is much more broken in rhythm than her former one, and on her departure a curious chromatic passage, which seems to presage unrest and stress, leads to the entry of the chorus who repeat, from afar but coming nearer, their greeting to the dawn, while Edgar turns to go after Fidelia. Strongly dramatic and of distinctive color is the orchestral passage which accompanies the entrance of Tigrana. She is a gypsy girl, who has been brought up by the villagers. She enters with a species of lute, or guitar more properly, perhaps, called the dembal, a stringed instrument in common use even now by descendants of the magyar race she laughs at edgar with a fine scorn of his tame admiration for the gentle village damsel there 
I have made Fidelia run away. She sings with a mixture of sarcasm, irony, and hypocrisy. I am so sorry. I did not know a pastoral love affair was at all in your way. Gualtiero, Fidelia's father, now comes on, and with the gathering crowd of villagers enters the church. The beginning of the voluntary on the organ is heard, and over and above this simple diatonic ecclesiastical tune come, in skilful and expressive contrast, the remarks of the gypsy girl to Edgar, by which she reminds him that she has opened to his nature the delights of an intense, full-blooded love, in place of the mildly innocuous affection of peasant girls. Trot along, good little boy, she sings, and go to church. Edgar's feeling about the matter is quickly shown by his emphatic, Silence, demon, which comes out like the crack of a whip. But Tigrana only laughs at him. As Tigrana turns to go into the inn, she is stopped by Frank, the brother of Fidelia. Frank is in love with the gypsy girl, and from him we learn that fifteen years ago she was abandoned in the village. Questioned as to her doings, Tigrana tells Frank that he is a tiresome boor, while he proceeds with the not very tactful method of reproaching her for her ingratitude. "'You were the child of us all,' he sings, "'and we did not know we were nursing a viper in our midst.' Tigrana, who is not given to wasting much time with preliminaries, tells Frank that if he has any regard for his virtue, he had better not be seen talking to her, and she goes towards the inn. Frank bursts out with the confession that he has tried to tear her out of his heart, but although she brings nothing but grief to him, she remains there in full possession.' From the church comes the sound of a fragment of a motet, begun by the sopranos and swelling out afterwards in six-part chorus. Tigrana sits on the table outside the inn and jeers at the piety of those peasants who, not being able to find room in the church, kneel outside and join in the devotion. To her dembal she sings a quaint and springy sort of tune, which is thoroughly impudent in character. With a murmur of disapproval, which afterwards grows into a demand, the peasants indignantly ask her to desist from her frivolity. As she proceeds with her melody, the peasants threaten to take stronger measures to stop the interruption to their prayers, and Edgar, coming out, rushes at once to Tigrana's defense. This open devotion to her cause apparently surprises the villagers greatly and Edgar finds himself called upon at once to make up his somewhat vacillating mind. With rather curious and certainly sudden access of ardor, he rails against his lot and curses the home of his fathers. Egged on to a species of frenzy, he rushes into the house and comes out bearing an ember from the hearth. In spite of the efforts of the villagers to restrain his mad impulse, he flings the brand into the house and clasping Tigrana to him, announces his intention of fleeing with her. Frank then rushes out to prevent their departure, and the two young men draw their daggers. A lull in the fray is caused by the entrance of Gualtiero and Fidelia from the church, and the old man's counsel for peace, backed up by pious ejaculations from the crowd, seems likely, at first, to prevail. But Tigrana puts an end to Edgar's hesitation, and he attacks Frank with fury. Frank is badly wounded, and falls in his father's arms as the chorus curse Edgar for a reprobate, and the curtain falls, as the house, now well ablaze, 
lights up the scene with its lurid glare the second act shows us a terrace in a garden with the brilliantly lighted rooms of a sumptuous mansion glimmering in the distance the stillness of the night is broken by the sounds of revelry more languorous than strident the chorus which sing of the splendor of the night is made up of two sopranos an alto two tenors and a bass and the essentially nervous close harmonies the light detached phrase begins with a chord of the thirteenth establish the atmosphere there is some fine and characteristic music in this rather long scene between edgar and tigrana who have it is easy to understand been partaking too freely of the joys which soon pall edgar is weary of his enervating surroundings and his thoughts turn to the glory of the april dawn and the calm love of fidelia tigrana taunts him with reproaches and there follow the inevitable mutual recriminations in vain does she bring her fascinations to bear upon her lover the sound of drums and the march of soldiers is heard and edgar calls out to them as they pass to stay their march and partake of his hospitality tigrana at once begins to be suspicious frank as it turns out is the captain of the band edgar hails him with joy as the saviour of the situation frank forgive me he cries you alone can save me and enable me to redeem my past tigrana is distracted but she is powerless to prevent edgar's departure and with a menacing gesture she sees her lover go a characteristic phrase from the chorus forming the background to the last utterances of the principals concerned in this short and not particularly convincing act the third act is prefaced with a short prelude of melancholy mould the rising curtain discloses a courtyard within a fortress at courtray in the battle which raged round this castle the flemish it will be remembered with very few numbers and these only armed with agricultural implements for the most part conquered the french army led by philip le bel their opponents were decoyed into a sort of marshy swamp and were not only hampered by their large retinue which included carriages womenkind and all sorts of paraphernalia but imagined that they were only to meet a handful of ignorant churls there is a chapel on one side of the scene and distant trumpet calls are heard as a funeral cortege proceeds to range itself around a hearse and the monks in the procession light tapers preceded by a draped banner the soldiers bear on the body of a knight fully armed which they place on the hearse and then deck it with flowers and wreaths standing apart from the crowd are frank and a monk while in the background are seen fidelia and her father the chorus chant a requiescat and then fidelia sings a most moving and pathetic farewell for the armed knight is edgar it may be stated however that the monk who stands apart is really edgar who for no very clear or convincing reason has chosen to be a witness of his supposed funeral celebration frank now adds his praise to the farewell of fidelia and extols in an oration the splendid courage of the man edgar who died for his fatherland then the monk does a seemingly strange and unwarrantable thing he tells the soldiers that their hero before death directed that all his misdeeds should be proclaimed publicly in order that his life might be set an example in true penitence the monk then relates the story of edgar's past life 
and discloses among other details the relations existing between the dead man and tigrana fidelia filled with horror at the supposed treachery boldly asks how the soldiers dare to listen to this besmirching of their leader's honor the soldiers however appear to believe the tale and make an attempt to drag the body off to throw it to the vultures the monk is touched by the loyalty of fidelia who is prepared to defend with her life if needs be the body of her hero by death she cries he has expiated his sins leave me to watch him through the night and my father and i will bear his body away in the morning and find for it some resting-place in his native village the monk then kneels for a space by fidelia and the soldiers touched by her devotion move off and fidelia leaves with her father tigrana now enters and like fidelia would pay her tribute of respect to the dead man frank and the monk however after a little consultation put a little plan of theirs into operation and approach tigrana would that i were the object of your grief says frank one tear of yours is worth a thousand pearls the monk then comes out with some rather plainer speaking and deliberately bribes the erstwhile gypsy with some jewels if she will do their bidding tigrana very readily falls into the trap and the soldiers are recalled the monk now calls on tigrana to speak out and prove that edgar was a traitor to his country she hesitates for a moment but finally acknowledges that the accusation is true in righteous anger the soldiers rush to the hearse and drag the body away but the armor is found to be merely the empty pieces and no body is encased therein fidelia and her father now come on and the fraud is disclosed to them yes cries the monk throwing back his cowl for edgar lives fidelia at first stunned by the joyful discovery that her lover lives throws herself into his arms and tigrana is spurned by the soldiers with an exclamation i am redeemed only love is the real truth edgar leads fidelia towards the castle like a tiger-cat tigrana follows them and with a savage leap stabs fidelia who dies instantly edgar and frank turn and seize the murderess and the soldiers with a bloodthirsty cry hail her off to instant execution with a cry of despair edgar falls senseless across fidelia's body notwithstanding many serious shortcomings edgar as a lyric drama contains much that is sincere and appropriate it was not a success on its first representation and the blame was laid for the most part on the libretto seeing however in the history of opera how many a worse book has passed muster it is a little curious that puccini's second work should have been so completely laid on the shelf it is not the lack of dramatic qualities that make the story of edgar a poor one it is rather that the story as a play does not contain enough of characterization to really retain the interest in spite of the weak third act with its supposed dead body and the hero in disguise the music of this section both from its wealth of melody its treatment and above all its powerful expressive qualities stands as the best in the work a finer or more moving scene than that of fidelia's farewell is hardly to be found in the whole range of what may be termed modern opera taken as it stands 
edgar proved that puccini had emphatically progressed beyond his achievement of levilli amid the sweet notes of love there come strong and virile expressions of anger tumult and indignation but the main theme is kept clearly to the front with all that force that stands as the leading characteristic of italian opera old or new definite and direct vocal expression puccini himself had and still has by all accounts a very warm affection for this edgar of his and it is not at all unlikely that a revised version may be seen in the near future indeed as it stands it might very well be permitted the test of a revival End of chapter 5